0: Hello, and thank you for tuning to Fire and Rain Ministries, where fire purges and rain washes. Today, we have an exciting word to share with you from Apostle Allison J. Cross, and we know that you will be encouraged by what you hear. So sit back and relax, and remember, she has a word for you from the Word.
1: You today about our priestly responsibilities and the responsibilities that, are, um, that we have as leaders to make sure that we are um, governing the house of God correctly as well as doing what God has called us to do. And today I want to talk about uh, Eli and his sons. And we all know that uh, Eli had some wicked sons, and it was a hot mess at that time. So we're going to talk about the uh, Eli and his sons, and uh, that's taken out of uh, 1 Samuel. You can start at chapter 2, and verse 12 is where we're going to be coming from. God bless everyone. Thanks for coming in. Now, we are going to talk about uh, the Arianic priesthood. We know that uh, when... Um, When Samuel, before Samuel was born, his mother went to Eli and she was, uh, she was travailing. She was upset because she could not conceive. And the one thing about Eli is that he could not even discern. He said she was drunk (laughs) and he couldn't discern whether or not uh, she was in, you know, um, she was upset or drunk. He called her drunk. (laughs) And so that right there is, it talks, you know, it really speaks to the discernment. Uh, that the priest had at that time. Now, when you look at, at the time of Eli, things again, they were at a very low uh, spiritual state. And it seems uh, that the corrupt condition of Eli and his sons actually is what precipitated the need and the rise of the prophetic ministry of Samuel. Now, when you look at Eli and his two sons, they their names were Hophni and Penihaz. And, you know, they were their names literally mean... Um, Eli's name means the offering or the lifting up or going up. And when you look at Hophni, his name means he that covers my fist or fighter. Penihas' names mean a bold countenance or brazen mouth. And, you know, all throughout scripture, we know that names mean something. People, that's why we have got to be careful what we name our kids. I mean, do some research. Um, A while back uh, when I was, I think I was in my early 20s or something like that. I was looking at a, um, at a TV show and one of the children, it was an a all-male young boy group or whatever, but one of the children's name was Belial. And I don't know if the parents thought that was cute but that means wicked and lawless and i don't know if they thought it was cute or it was just something someone said name him belial that that had to be birthed from the devil to give your name the child you know give your child the name of belial and so you want to look at things like that when people are naming their children oh my goodness Find out what that name really means and name your child something according to the scripture or something that's positive. My name means truth. Allison means truth and cross. You know what that means, (laughs) the cross. And so, you know, I'm thankful that my mom named me Allison because it means truth or truthful one. Now, when you look at um, Eli, Eli, he really showed his God bless you, Prophetess uh, Roberts. Eli showed his lack of spiritual insight when he sat upon the seat by the post of the house of the Lord and he stood up, you know, he literally was reproving Hannah when she was interceding, but he does not discern between the woman and Travail or soul Travail, as the scripture says, and a person in a state of drunkenness. She was travailing. You know, how many of us know that when we're praying to God, sometimes you get real ugly. Sometimes that travail just takes you to a whole nother level. And you can appear out of yourself. You can appear, you know, for the person that's not discerning. If they're looking at you, you may appear drunk. You may appear out of it, but you're so much in travail or prayer or intercession that the spirit of the Lord just begins to well up with you. And that intercession just takes you to a whole nother place. How many of us has, has experienced that during your time of travail and prayer? You're in a whole nother place. And then so Eli was looking at her and he could not even discern where she was spiritually. He didn't know whether she was drunk or travailing and he you know reprimanded her and he didn't realize that you know even that that a child that was going to be born samuel was going to bring divine judgment upon his house how many of you know that you know god will put people in your lives to uh get you back in place and we have to accept that now when you look at eli's sons Though they were priests at god 's altar, they were sons of Belial, they were sons of the devil and the one thing that Eli should have done is he should have corrected his sons, but he did not. The Bible says that they knew not the Lord, and that 's in 1 Samuel two twelve they were ministering at the door at the altar, but they didn 't even know God. How many people today know that there are a lot of people, there are a lot of priests in the church, pastors and priests and, and prophets and uh, fake apostles and all that in the church and they're ministering, but they don't know the Lord. They do not know the Lord. And what B- Belial means is lawless, wickedness, wickedness, and worthless. Now, when you look at Hophni and Pennyhouse, they were sons of Belial, but they were also sons of lawlessness and recklessness. And they were sons of the devil who is lawless and reckless. if you look at deuteronomy thirteen thirteen and let's turn there right quick it says uh, deuteronomy thirteen thirteen certain men, the children of Belial, are gone out from among you and have withdrawn the inhabitants of their city, saying let us go and serve other gods, which we have, which ye have not known now that 's really uh critical these days because you have wicked, lawless, reckless sons of Belial, people coming into the church uh pretending that they have an anointing that they don 't have they 're not even really serving God for real, but they 've been sent in on assignment to destroy God's people and God's leader try to bring a leader down and when you look at the sons of Belial and then you go back to Deuteronomy 13 13 their whole mission was to literally bring people pull people out from where God has placed them don't ever let anyone pull you out of where God has placed you I've heard many people uh testify to the fact that God sent me here. I'm here for the long haul. I'm not going nowhere. And poof, they're gone. Puff the magic. They're gone. You know, and why are they gone? What pull, what is pulling on your spirit today to leave where God has planted you? If you have been planted in a place, there is nothing that the enemy can do to pluck you out of where God has planted you. Now, if you planted yourself there, hey, it may happen. Um, but a lot of times, uh, when we see people being, uh, Uprooted out of where God has truly planted them to grow and blossom and become the leader that God has called them to be, they leave because they want their number one, they want their own platform, they want to do their own thing. Um, you know, and I've seen it over and over again. I've been in ministry over 20 years now, and I've seen a lot of things happen. And when people begin to leave the church after they have confessed and they know in their heart of hearts that God has called them there, they leave because they can't get a platform. They leave because they can't get in the pulpit and preach. They leave because they got reprimanded. They leave because they got set down. But you know, the Bible says that whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son. That means not only am I going to get reprimanded, I'm going to get my butt whooped. And let me tell you something. God says he loves you and he has to do that. When people are... um, not submitted to leadership and not submitted to God to the level uh, that they need to be, they begin to become rebellious. They begin to do and say things behind their leaders back would eventually get back because the Lord will let that leader know what's going on, what's being said and all that. And so we really have to make sure that when we are uh, serving God, if the leader pulls you to the side and say, hey, you wrong. You are wrong. Accept it. Accept that uh, whooping, and get back in the game. Don't don't get all in your feelings and your emotions and say, well, they shouldn't have said that to me. And I hear God too. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We talked about a couple of days about about Korah. What did Korah do? Korah incited a rebellion in Numbers chapter sixteen, and and we're gonna get back to Eli and his wicked sons, but. When a person is being reprimanded or disciplined for behavior actions words what have you and they're in the church or they're uh in leadership of a church um under leadership rather and they get disciplined all of a sudden that spirit of rejection that never got dealt with comes up that spirit of i want to be on top um begins to um uh, come out from them and so what cora did he said uh, all the holiest people people are all holy and he began to call the children of Israel holy. But if you go back in the scriptures to number chapter, I believe thirteen or fourteen, they were wicked. They were doing some of everything. They were mixing with the mixed multitude. But here Korah is because he wanted the priesthood and he wanted um people to follow him and he wanted to overthrow Moses. He began to tell and influence the people to think that they were could do the job that Moses was doing, and they were not even qualified to do that. They were not authorized, and they were not qualified. See, if you're not authorized and qualified, sit down somewhere until God processes you and gets you into the place that he's called you to be in. And so when we look at Eli's sons, they were wicked, they were lawless, they were doing all kinds of stuff, and they um, if you look at it, they also they knew not the Lord. And I said that in uh, 1 Samuel two twelve. Now, they were also sacrilegious. And uh, 1 Samuel uh, 2, 12 through 17, if you read that, it talks about how um, it was a time when they were bringing the sacrifices to the Lord. And, you know, to the Lord at Shiloh and many a House would take much more than the priest's portion of the sacrifice than the law of the offerings was given. And you can find the law of the offerings in Leviticus chapter one through seven, that was allowed. Uh, The fat on the offering was the Lord's portion to be burned on the altar of God. And when the people asked the Lord to receive his portion, uh, the priestly sons would take the offering by force from the people. They literally took the offering that belonged to the Lord from the people and you know if you look into let's see uh samuel chapter 2 verse of uh, 17 at the last scripture it says wherefore the sin of the young men was very great before the lord for men abhorred uh the offering of the lord and i really believe um as i read this that that is almost it seems to me that that could be when Uh, That whole thing uh, started happening where people started to hate giving. Because back in the Old Testament, the priests would take an offering. And so it says that it caused God's people to abhor giving. And today, I tell you what people don't even want to give to the house of god anymore people want to you know keep their money in their pockets do whatever they do and when it comes time to give into the ministry the the church or what have you people hold back and could it be that it all started in uh samuel chapter 2 verse 17 because that's the first time in the bible that i've ever seen it said that people uh abhor the offering of the lord and so that's the spirit that we have to literally break in the houses of God and even out of ourselves. Because have you ever felt a nudge when God tells you to give something and it may be beyond what you want to give. But he said, no, go over and beyond what I, uh, what the, the need is and just go ahead and give. And then all of a sudden you feel a little tinge pull back. Hmm. It could be something going on from that very chapter, so we have to say, Lord, show me what you want me to do, how to give, and how to uh, not abhor giving. And so now you have a whole uh, slew of people out here. Uh, when it's time to give, they say, "Well, they don't want to do nothing, but the pastor don't want to do nothing but pocket the money." Look how uh-uh, it it takes money to run a church. It takes money to run a ministry. There's so much that goes on behind scenes that most people don't even realize that to even have a church, you got to have over a million dollars worth of insurance. I mean, who's, who pays for that? It cannot come out of the pastor's pocket. So we need those that are in the houses of God to be faithful in your giving because you know God is going to see that his church goes on. And I'm a firm believer in giving. I'm a firm believer that, you know, God is my provider, not my job. It's not job provider. It's Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And so whatever I do is unto the Lord. God is not going to have me in lack because he promised me that. Now, so when you go back to Eli's sons, they really, literally made people hate giving. So we have to break that spirit. We have to go back and say, you know what, Lord? we're going to break that spirit in jesus name and you know we want to be joyful givers we want to be happy givers and the way they behaved it was just horrible it was just horrible now they were also if you look at first samuel um 222 and let's read that it says now eli was very old and heard all that his sons had done unto all Israel and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Now, it says that they were laying with the women. Now, wait a minute. They had the priestly garments on. They were in the office of a priest. They were supposed to be doing the will of God and they were messing around with the women that would, you know, assembled at the door of the tabernacle and the priest would come, uh, would, Excuse me. The priests, the these priestly sons, will become involved with some of them in acts of immorality and a corrupt and immoral. They were corrupt and they were immoral. It was a corrupt and immoral priesthood, indeed. Now, though they were wearing the linen ephod and priestly robes, significant of righteousness, you know, and that makes me want to sit back and say, "How are you dressed today? How are you dressed today?" is what you're wearing is what your people are seeing in us is it holy is it pure or is it tainted and they what they had on those robes of priestly garments they were significant of righteousness purity and holiness and they were far removed from that they were not holy in fact they were wicked they were immoral they were evil they were lawless and lewd and they were sons of the devil so even though they had on a garment that looked holy that was supposed to be um, um indicative of holiness and righteousness and purity and serving the people they literally were was using their position to take the offering that belongs to the Lord and sleep around. And that's why today, men and women of God, we got to do better. We have to, you know, make sure that we repent, do what God has called us to do and say, you know what, I'm not going to have any involvement in those type of things. And if you have spiritual children that are involved in those type of things, they need to sit down. They need to sit down for a season so that they can be restored. Now, if they want to Uh, Feel like they can do what they want to do and get away with it Your sin will find you out and it will be exposed a lot of people don't think that because Everybody's doing it, you know, I know That God forgives he forgives Jesus went to the cross to do away with sin, right, but we can't you know um, Keep going around the mountain and doing it over and over and over again and say oh God is gonna forgive me He know my heart. Yeah, he knows our heart and that's why he had to send Jesus to uh, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. And so they were immoral and the the very garments that they were wearing, it did not signify what they were actually doing. Now, Eli, what did he do? Eli failed to properly discipline his sons. If you look in first Samuel chapter uh, two, verse 23 to 25, and then you also go over to uh, chapter three, verse one through 14. Now, As I read, he heard about what his sons were doing. He heard about their immoral acts, but he mildly reproved them. A slap on the hands. He mildly reproved them, and what they should have been done, they should have been outed from their priesthood because they failed in their qualifications. They were not holy. They were not pure. They were sons of Belial. They were wicked, lawless. They were taking the things that belonged to God, but yet Eli allowed them to stay in a place that they should not have been in. And so it's also, um, one second, I lost my, uh, lost my note here. So let me go back. Eli would not discipline his sons. And the one thing that God did, he stepped in and he judged the father and his sons together. And, you know, one thing I want to say, if there is not correction, If there is not human discipline, there will be divine discipline. And if people don't receive human discipline, God is not going to allow his people to be trampled over and things like that. If you don't discipline your spiritual children and they want to if you don't do it, God is going to go out and get you. For not doing what he's told you to do, and if they won't obey God is going to deal with them he's going to deal with people and when we look at uh this whole situation with Eli and his wicked sons at that time, it was really um it really really was showing also the spiritual climate of um israel back of Jerusalem back then because it was shown in the head now um another thing that you want to look at. When you look at um you want to look at uh let's see ezekiel chapter 9 and it talks about judgment begins with the house of god now the one thing that we know that it's going to start judgment is already hit we just have not seen it on a large scale yet so i would you know encourage all of us every leader to really stay on your face before the lord and say you know what lord what do i need to do to make sure that i'm right on the inside because time out for the faking it to make it and you know things like that we have to really make sure that we are doing what the lord has called us to do and we are not just you know i don't know faking it to make it or something because a lot of people do that they fake it to make it and it's almost like nowadays if i can fake it to make it you know i can do it no god is saying i want you to do what i've called you to do now when you look at what happened in shiloh In first samuel 2 27-36 there was a prophecy given of divine judgment on eli and his sons and there came a man to eli to pronounce the mind of god and he reminded eli of the lord's choice in the tribe of levi now when you look at let's read that first samuel 2 27-36 And it came to pass a man of God unto Eli, and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Did I plainly appear unto the house of thy fathers when they were in Egypt, in Pharaoh's house? And did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon mine altar, to burn incense, to wear wear an ephod unto me? And did I give unto the house of thy fathers all the offerings made by fire to the children of Israel? Mm, Let's see. And it says, wherefore, kick thee ye at my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my habitation. Now, it goes on and on. But what he's saying is, Eli, wake up. You're about to be cut off. You got to be cut off. But he goes on in in verse uh, 35. He says that I will raise up me a faithful priest. Hallelujah for the faithful priests. And in this last hour, and we are truly in the last days, God is raising up faithful priests. He's, he's beginning to bring to the forefront those priests that have been laboring, truly laboring, and, not, and have not you know disobeyed God and, and done things not according to his will. But he's raising them up. He's bringing them to the forefront. And those that are playing with God and messing over the people, he's going to bring them down. And so he says, and I will raise up me a faithful priest. And, you know, that's one of the things that we have to look at now. What that uh, leader did when he came to Eli, he reproved Eli for his lack of parental control and lack of discipline over his his two sons and their priestly administrations. Now, the one thing that we have to know, as I said before, God's, the Bible says that whom he loves, he chases and scourges every son. The reason he does it is not to hurt us, wound us, embarrass us. It is literally to allow us to continue in the faith and, you know, get rid of those besetting sins, those sins that so easily beset us. And I'm going to say the one thing that we have to do as leaders is separate yourself unto God. Don't get mixed up in people's drama and all of that stuff. And so he um, reproved Eli because he didn't have control over his children and they were serving in the temple. And the man of God continued in the word of the Lord by telling Eli a threefold judgment that would come upon his house at Shiloh. Now, the first judgment that was going to come upon his house was that the priesthood would not continue in Eli's house forever. That was number one. And this was fulfilled during the time when the priesthood line was changed from Eli's line over to the priesthood of Zadok. So it literally happened. And then, and this will be, um, we'll talk about that later. The second one was judgment of Eli's two sons, Hophni and Pennehas. The sign to Eli of the judgment would be that his sons would come under divine discipline and would both die on the same day. Now that is horrible, but it could have all been stopped. Number one, you had the priesthood, you had the priestly line. But you didn't discipline your sons. So now judgment is coming because you're being lax. And we're talking about Eli here. But I'm also talking about those leaders who refuse to discipline their sons and, or daughters in the ministry that are holding positions because they want to keep them in the house. Or they're given such a large tithe amount. They don't want to disappoint them. Or they don't want to lose that money. But Eli, he lost out. He lost out. And then number three was the judgment on shiloh and eli would see the enemy in god's habitation now when you look at this the um the affliction of the tabernacle it actually involved the ark of the covenant being taken captivity by the enemy's hand now you know one of the things that that happened number one his house was judged number two he lost his sons Number three, the Ark of Covenant was taken out of, it was taken into captivity and it went to, you know, several countries like Ashdod, Ashdod, Ekron, and uh, other places. And we'll talk about that in a later teaching. But one of the things that happened that uh, really, really, you know, got to me was when there was a war with the Philistines and the... um, happening in Pennyhouse, house they ran into battle and they saw <coughs> and i believe that's in chapter four they saw that they were losing the battle what did they do they sent somebody back to run and go get the ark of the covenant because they thought that even though they were in sin that uh they were presumptuous they went and got the ark of covenant of the covenant they brought it back into war but they they lost they lost the battle and they thought because If they would go get the ark of the covenant that god was going to cover and protect them even though they were lawless wicked lewd and doing all types of foolishness they assumed that just because they had that ark of the covenant that they were going to win that war and they did not tons of people were uh, were killed uh they were both killed and then when eli heard it you know he fell over dead but he also it gripped him when he found out that the Ark of the Covenant was taken into captivity and that is when he really, you know, he really was like, oh my God, boom, and he was gone. And so one of the things that we have to do as leaders, we have to make sure that those that are serving under us, they walk in the walk, not just talking the talk. It's, you know, one thing because nowadays, if we all know this, people know church language. People know how to You know, get strong in tongues and they know how to move people and all this stuff. But I tell you what, I would rather my spirit be moved by God than um, my flesh and my emotions be moved by man. And you have to know the difference. You have to know when God is moving and when, um, when the Spirit of God is moving and when man is moving. Because a person that is a great orator or knows how to move a crowd or work a crowd, they'll know when to cry. They'll know when to, um, Um, I don't know. They, They just know how to do it. They know how to do it. And if you're not discerning, you won't even pick up that they work in the crowd. And so you have to be moved by the spirit of God. The Bible says for as many are led by the spirit of God, are sons of God. And so we have to be moved by the spirit. And you know, you can, you can be ministering to a person. You don't have to raise your voice. You can walk up to them and just say one word. And if the power of God is in it, the power of God will fall. But you got to have a clean vessel. There's got to be a holy vessel. And God wants to work through us. He don't want to take, you know, take the priesthood. You know, God has given us. We're kings and priests in the earth. And it is high time that we take our rightful place and take dominion and our kingdom authority and speak those things that are not as though they were and expect them to happen. When I pray, I expect things to happen. I don't wait for it to happen. Once I pray it and I release that word over the prayer i know that the angels have already gone on flight and they're gonna you know things are gonna come to pass according to my word because i have that much faith in god that much faith in god to know that he who's begun a good work in me shall be faithful to complete it he who's begun a good work in you shall be faithful to complete it so once you pray the prayer you just begin to thank him for what he's already done and so we don't have to Be like Eli. We don't have to sit by and watch lawlessness happen and not bring correction. Leaders, bring correction. If you don't bring correction, you're going to get corrected. I'm going to say that again. If you do not bring correction, you will be corrected. We're living in a day and time where it's so much going on and people look like they know the word, act like they know the word, and do not know the word. They know two scriptures, but they're a very good orator. And so that's what they're using. And so we have to really be careful of what we are allowing people to do and say. And so tomorrow I'm going to talk about, let's see, I'm going to talk about what happened to the Ark of the Covenant when it went into captivity. It went to several places and plagues were breaking out. You remember Dagon fell over. We're going to dig deep into that and we're going to talk about um, what happened in those places specifically you know the emeralds or hemorrhoids are breaking out i mean that just blew my mind when i was like wow you know so we have to really um we have to really be careful we have to make sure that if we're going to be a priest in god's army if we're going to be a soldier in his army we have to do it right we have to do it right and we can't be shucking and jiving long goals of the day god is not winking at ignorance he's not winking he is not winking He's judging. We're in a season of judgment and thank God for Jesus. Thank God for his, you know, awesome power and his saving grace. If you want to be saved, he will save you. If you don't, I don't know what to tell you. You're in a situation. So that's all I have for today. I hope you guys enjoyed um, the uh, teaching today. Screens just went black. (laughs) I hope you guys have enjoyed the teaching today and you will join me back tomorrow. Uh, I don't know what time I'll be on. It'll probably be sometime in the morning before noon, but I definitely want to come on here every day and share. I was away for a while, um, chilling. <laughs> chilling. Chilling, chilling, get myself together, amen. And you know, sometimes it's okay. And leaders, I want to tell you, you, it's okay to take a break and gather yourself because when you get tired and wore down and run down, you need to step back, take a break, and it's okay it's definitely okay to do that so i've had my break and i just want to let you guys know that um there will be a prophetic boot camp uh march 20th and 21st in irwin north carolina i would love for you guys to join me if you're interested in coming to the prophetic boot camp in irwin north carolina on march 20th and 21st Um, Inbox me for more details and I will send you the address. And if Pastor Jackie is on, if she could put the address to the prophetic boot camp in the comment section, that would be great. If not, uh, go ahead and inbox me and I'll send you that information. It's going to be powerful. Friday night, we're going to be interceding prophetically um, and teaching on the prophetic ministry the way it's supposed to be done, not the way that a lot of people are doing it. It is not all about the stuff that's going on today uh it's about according to the word of god so god bless everyone thank you for coming in and i will see you back here tomorrow god bless you have a good day bye-bye
0: wasn't that an awesome teaching We look forward to you tuning in each week for more teachings from Apostle Allison J. Cross, founder of Fire and Rain Ministries. You can follow us on Facebook, Roku, The Fire Stick, Apple TV, iTunes, and more under the Fivefold Network. To contact the ministry, you can reach us at 252-764-5685 or email us at ApostleAJCross at gmail.com. God bless you and see you next time.